Greetings from the Mountain Mama, West Virginia. My name is McKenna. And hey, it's Galen. And you're listening to Living Lore. This week, we're going to be discussing the strange killings that happened in Fayette County, West Virginia in the 1960s. This case remains unsolved. The crimes committed in this case may be disturbing for some listeners, so please proceed with caution. Strap in, folks. It's time to discuss the Mad Butcher of Fayette County. First of all, the fact that we had someone called the Mad Butcher is wild to me. I had never even heard about this, and I have lived in West Virginia my entire life. This is the most bizarre case I've ever read about in a while, and that's saying something. This series of events is so strange, and there's a weirdly small amount of information about it, considering the FBI came down to investigate it. But I digress. Like, you think if your state had a serial killer, you would have heard about it. Right? But let's get into it. <laughs> Are you okay? Oh, great. Oh. From 1962 to 1964, Fayette County residents lived in a state of terror. Seven people disappeared in two years. We're going to be taking a closer look at these missing persons and find out if they were truly victims of the mad butcher of Fayette County. The story truly starts with a man named Bob Mac Agee. Before bodies started showing up, people began disappearing. Bob, a young man going to electric school in Chicago, came home to West Virginia to visit his mother in a nursing home in February of 1962. Without a car, the young man traveled mostly by hitchhiking and was believed to have been traveling back to Kingston that way. Bob never arrived. Friends who were waiting for him there assumed he had simply traveled back to Chicago. As a result of this, it was a few weeks before anyone reported him missing. He was never seen again. Bob. <laughs> Poor Where's Bob. Bob. <laughs> that would suck if you went missing. And I mean, like, it's not like they exactly had cell phones, but like, he literally went missing. In 1962, you had nothing but the, the strong vocal cords that God gave you to scream. And it didn't work. I am Bob and I am missing. He wouldn't be screaming at him because he's missing. <laughs> Police have reported that Bob had been seen in his workplace back in Chicago following his initial disappearance. But these reports were found to be false. That's so suspicious. Right off the bat, I'm skeptical of the police. I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> Maybe they were just really bad at their jobs. My faith in their detective skills is pretty low right now. Having gone over the case files for this whole thing, I assure you it's not going to get any better as we go. Still great. The next man to disappear from Fayette County was 76-year-old retired railroad worker Ernest Esker Slick Gwynn. On July 3rd, 1962, Ernest left his hotel at 9 p.m. stating he would return the next day. At 9.30 p.m., he was seen at Four Minute Diner. This is the last place anyone saw him alive. Ernest's family offered a reward to anyone who could find him. Police discovered that Ernest had been observed at the four-minute diner in the company of three young men, Paul Tigret, Bill Douglas, and Louis Dawson. These three men were questioned concerning Ernest's disappearance, but it was a dead end as no evidence could be found to tie them to Ernest. But, weirdly enough, these men were later charged with the kidnap and robbery of 68-year-old George Hess, who they picked up at the four-minute diner. The four-minute diner seems like a bad place to be. You have no idea. Good grief. <laughs> So unfortunately, Ernest was never found alive, but on May 28th, 1963, police did find something pertaining to his case. While hiding from a rainstorm in nearby trees, railroad workers found a human skull with a bullet hole in it. 
Police and his family believed it to be Ernest, though no dental records were available to make a positive identification. Poor Ernest, he just retired! Next to disappear was Sammy Smith. Sammy went missing on October 20th, 1962. He was last seen at Top Hat Drive-In after hitching a ride after work where he reportedly ordered coffee and talked to patrons. Someone saw him walking toward a dirt road to his parents' house in Scarborough. Sammy worked several odd jobs in town. At the time of his disappearance, he was working at the Four Minute Diner as a dishwasher. Wait, 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 wait. The same diner that Bob disappeared from? The same. What the heck? <laughs> I tried to tell you. I hate this! I'm sure the diner's patrons didn't like it either. Sammy's parents reported that he may have been carrying a large amount of money at the time and that this could have been the cause of his disappearance. His disappearance was not made widely known for over two weeks. And if you've watched any type of crime TV shows, you know the chances of finding a missing person go down after the first 24 hours. Sammy was never seen again. Now at this point, there was no sense of panic. People had gone missing, but it didn't seem like a pattern. No pattern? I don't know about you, but I am definitely seeing a pattern. Hitchhikers and sketchy, oddly named diners to start. Well, one thing to take into consideration is that hitchhiking or thumbing was a major mode of transportation in the coal mining region. So it wasn't uncommon for people to frequently catch rides from strangers. Naturally, this changed after the townsfolk started whispers of a mad butcher stalking the highways. My mother told me never to hitchhike and you know I am starting to see why. No one was scared at first. That is, they weren't until 11-year-old Billy Priest, looking for bottle caps on Golly Mountain, discovered a body. 19-year-old Mike Rogers went missing on December 19, 1962. His remains were found by Priest nearly a week later on December 26, 1962. Mike was last seen at the east end of Oak Hill near the entrance of Salem Road. His body was found cut into 13 pieces and scattered about Golly Mountain near Chimney Corner, which is in Golly Bridge in Fayette County. Mike was a frequent sight on the streets of Oak Hill. He suffered from a mild mental handicap, but was known by most as a genial and harmless presence. Mike lived with foster parents and didn't drive a car. He mostly hitchhiked. On the day of his disappearance, he went to dinner at home, but left again to go to Oak Hill to buy cigarettes and see the Christmas lights. Mike was last seen walking alongside the road by a local resident, Jimbo Moore, who he asked for a ride. Moore had to run errands, but promised to be back in an hour to pick Mike up. Moore returned 30 minutes later, but Mike was no longer there. Mike was gone for about a week before his body parts were found. The autopsy report stated Mike's death was 48 hours prior to finding his remains, but this was later changed to between 6.30 p.m. and 2 a.m. on the day he disappeared. Mike was found to have been shot in the back of the head with a 22 caliber firearm so he had not been alive when he had been dissected. Some internal organs were not found on the scene. His organs? Yeah, but that could have been from the killer or from wild animals, depending on when he had been left out there. Mike's body showed signs of being frozen and thawed. Oh. The way the body was dissected indicated genuine skill and some anatomical knowledge, and the killer most likely used either a cleaver or an ax to do it. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> None of Mike's personal items were ever found, but a plastic bag and a duffel bag were discovered with his remains. The duffel bag contained some of the body parts and had the name J.L. Howard, Army Issue, etched on it. Police obviously immediately set out to find the man whose name was etched into the bag filled with the remains of a murdered man. When they found Howard, he claimed that he had lost the bag years ago, so he was ruled out as a suspect. Should I mention that this duffel bag magically disappeared from police custody? I definitely feel like that's something worth mentioning. Nothing about this makes sense. I feel like I am trying to put a puzzle together, but the pieces are like from four different puzzles and intense 1,000 plus piece puzzles too. None of that age is 10 and under stuff. <laughs> <laughs> 
To get back to the story, <laughs> naturally, the finding of Mike's body caused a panic. People were begging loved ones not to go out after dark and to stop hitchhiking. The panic only grew when Lou Lewis Bennett, a 40-year-old man from Oak Hill, went missing on July 27, 1963. His remains weren't found until more than two years later, in September of 1965. The body was found along the railroad tracks in Minden, a town in Fayette County. Now here's where things get bizarre. As if they weren't already. True, but, but hear me out. Bennett's body was believed to have been blown to pieces by dynamite. Like... Dynamite, dynamite? Yes, dynamite. However, it wasn't a secret that Bennett was a depressed and some would say even mentally ill man. So it is unclear if he committed suicide or was a victim of the Mad Butcher. The next person to disappear was Shirley Jean Arthur. Arthur was a 33-year-old Oak Hill native who went missing on November 22, 1963. He was last seen hitchhiking a ride from his home in Sofia to his parents' home in Mount Hope. His body was never found. The final disappearance was one Sergeant James Lee Haynes, who went missing on December 7, 1963. You guessed it. He was hitchhiking to his parents' home in Salisville to deliver Christmas presents. He never arrived. The presents! Investigators believe that he may have been killed by three men with whom he was seen fighting at a tavern the day he disappeared. It is believed that the men ran over Haynes with their car in Raleigh County, drove to Wyoming County, and buried his body in a large hollow in Bolt Mountain. During a search of the area, police found Haynes' billfold and army dog tags. Bloody rags were found in a hollow tree stump. His body, however, was never located. In 1971, an arrest was made in the case, but charges were dropped due to a lack of evidence. Haynes was declared dead one year after his disappearance. That's all the information that could be found on the victims. What I did discover, though, is that while some believe that the Mad Butcher never existed and that these were just a random series of crimes, the state police and the Fayette County Sheriff's Office make no claims or denials. So what I'm hearing is that they didn't say it wasn't a Mad Butcher. That's exactly what I'm saying. The idea that the Mad Butcher was indeed real began to settle even more in 1964 when the case's first and only suspect, a gentleman named Hugh Montgomery was arrested at a local hospital. According to reports, Montgomery, once an Air Force physician, would go to hospitals demanding that they hire him as a doctor, and when they told him to leave, he would come back with a sledgehammer and begin to smash things. I need to start doing that at all my interviews. Please don't. You're going to get arrested. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean I can't be in the drive through window? Begin <laughs> smashing chicken nuggets with sledgehammer. There's a reason why this guy was a suspect, and this is the reason why. He's extremely hostile. <laughs> what do you mean I can't be a doctor? <laughs> oh, Hugh. Oh, Hugh. Following a search of Montgomery's home, police found three guns, a knife, and a meat grinder. I don't know how those are related. I feel like it shouldn't be a crime if you own a meat grinder. I mean, like, people own meat grinders. But what was the intent of the meat grinder? I don't want to know. I'm guessing it was malicious. I don't, <laughs> don't want to know. Anyway, uh, Montgomery admitted to several murders, stating that he had only killed people in self-defense, but made a point to mention that he was not the Mad Butcher. <laughs> so much wrong with this. <laughs> After questioning him, police found that Montgomery was reported to be at an Air Force base in Ohio at the time of the disappearance slash murder of Mike Rogers. Montgomery came from a wealthy Fayette County family. Following his arrest, he was sent to the hospital to be examined. It was reported that he was diagnosed as being paranoid and homicidal with homosexual tendencies. Who saw that coming? Literally every episode of Criminal Minds. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, but you just can't trust people with meat grinders. Malicious intent. <laughs> 
<laughs> malicious intent. Every restaurant owner. <laughs> malicious intent. Gosh. Okay. I rest my case. Montgomery was never charged in the Mad Butcher murders. So in conclusion, seven people disappeared from Fayette County from 1962 to 1964. Only two, not counting Ernest, were positively identified. And many people believed the only true victim of the Mad Butcher was Mike Rogers. Which, I honestly don't think is true. Oh, I definitely think there were more victims. You don't just kill one person that way. We both took a serial killer class. And we took it together. Yes, we took it together. And it just doesn't happen that way. And that is a great segue into my favorite part of the podcast. Time to discuss conspiracy theories. (laughs) Whenever you say conspiracy theories, I just feel like little twinkles from conspiracy fairies need to rain down. Yes, okay. Okay, here's where things get even stranger than they were before. If that's even possible. How? Granted, this was 1964, but locals had some wild theories about who the Mad Butcher could be. In August of 1964, James D. Davies wrote an article about the Mad Butcher entitled Mad Butcher Now Stalks Oak Hill, West Virginia Streets. It highlighted several theories residents had about who the killer could be. One resident was sure the butcher was a mad scientist. Specifically, a large city scientist who could come to Oak Hill often, seeking human material to experiment with. This resident backs up his claims by stating, The guy that knew most of the missing men told me they all limped. So I figure the butcher must be some kind of doctor who wants people to experiment on. How he came to this conclusion that it was a crazy doctor experimenting on humans based on the offhand comment that some of these men limped, mind you. I will never understand. They limped, Kenna. Obviously, it was a mad scientist. Oh yeah, obviously. (laughs) One you thought that the butcher was a Dr. Jekyll slash Mr. Hyde type. A peaceful, law-abiding citizen who occasionally goes on a psychotic binge possessed with the urge to kill. Um, other locals looked to their neighbors. Several theorized someone local could be committing terrible acts and then committing the murders so the information wouldn't get out. Whoever the Mad Butcher truly was, they were obviously smart and skilled. One unsubstantiated claim stated that whoever committed the murder was familiar with dissection. It was believed that the bodies were drained of blood and cleaned before being cut up. (gasps) The scientist! Stop! (laughs) No scientists! Well, I guess it could have been a scientist. Who even knows? Honestly, no one. Davies ended his article with the chilling statement, And to the children hereabouts, the Mad Butcher has replaced the Boogeyman as the sinister, faceless character lurking somewhere in the night. Ugh. Jeez. That's spooky. The true identity of the Mad Butcher is still in question to this day. This mystery, for now, remains unsolved. Thanks for listening to Living Lore. A production of The Scenic Route, sponsored by Loot Press. If you like what you hear, please remember to like and share on Spotify or your favorite podcast provider. Or you can check out our Twitter or send us your own spooky story at livinglorewv and livinglorewv at gmail.com respectively. Thank you for your support and we'll see you next time when we travel to Babcock State Park to discuss the chilling case, Murder at Cabin 13.